You're listening to Linked AM. Tell your story on Linked Live and get noticed. You're listening to Carl Wolfenden on the Business Class Show and is not always affiliated with the guests and the topics discussed. Any financial statements are the opinions of the individual and you should seek professional advice before making any decisions. Upgrade your listening to Business Class, the show that puts you in the big leather comfy seats. So sit back and enjoy our take on the trending business issues of the week. Howdy, folks. Here he is, the Texas Brit, the guy with the stiff upper lip, filling his 10-gallon hat and his cowboy boots, Carl Wolfenden. Good morning, good morning, and uh, again, welcome on Linked AM, and thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, we, we, as, as we were talking about yesterday, and I'm going to talk about this because we're actually going to continue the conversation. We had such a great conversation yesterday. Uh, about um, uh, about setting appointments and really getting noticed, and of course that fits into start the year strong, um, you know, campaign that we've done now for um, over over two years now, uh, and uh, we always talk about how can we position ourselves for a great new year, uh, and um, and yesterday Jay and I were talking about, uh, and we were talking about the fact that sixty five percent of uh, businesses say that their sales. Uh, executives, reps, actually only spend 35% of their time selling. Uh, and that, that surprised me. Uh, and, and that really led from a conversation I'd had. One of my networking events that I went to, and we were talking you know, to some uh, chief revenue officers, and they were saying, look, we've got to really get, get the, the, the business to the next level. How can we do that without any capital investment? And so yesterday we talked about um, how you know, we could use playbooks, you know, because we've talked to this is the playbook series. And how could we use playbooks to really take you through the step by step of how to increase that time and really increase the amount of time that reps are, are actually selling by 50%. And that's a great that's, that's, that's a tall, you know, really bold uh, sort of percentage out there. Let's increase it by 50%. Jay, we had a we had a great discussion yesterday. And then of course, you, um, you said, well, we need to bring on a subject matter expert that you know, uh, from a company called Cloud Advisory. And uh, his name's Michael Debellano. And I always like to put on an accent when I say your last name, Michael Debellano. Hey, so <laughs> Totally <laughs> authentic to me. Well, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, of course, you're <laughs> the founder of uh, of Cloud Advisory. So, first of all, Jay, uh, welcome back. Uh, thanks for joining me. And of course, uh, if you want to just uh, sort of uh, introduce Michael, uh, that'd be great. Yeah. And hey. Yeah. Fantastic. So, you know, when we're talking about um, you know chipping away at really the overhead that sales people have. Um, to you know that sit between where they are today and getting into sales meetings and a lot of it is admin and outreach and you know there are a lot of different uh, ways to you know reduce that and uh, Michael and I have been working together for gosh over six months now uh, working with some clients in common uh, in order to help them with some of their automate some of their LinkedIn outreach 
uh, LinkedIn connections and getting meetings. So again, there's a lot of different ways to chip away at that, you know, 15%, you know, the difference between 35 and 50. And again, cloud advisory is just one of those um, tactics that you can use to, to make that happen. Well, Michael, uh, thanks for joining me. And that's a great introduction, Jay. And that really set the frame out. So, so Michael, first of all, tell us more about, uh, you know, uh, cloud advisory, what, what you guys do. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, so traditionally, we've been uh, in the business of helping companies automate marketing and sales and support. And we do that a few ways, um, but usually through some sort of CRM and then marketing automation platform like Makesbridge. And then I think what happened was last year, um, I wrote a book called Automate and Grow. And so I was out, you know, meeting literally over a thousand people to present the book and most of them founders. And I just kept noticing this one problem that most companies were surviving on referrals. Um, I would say about 80 to 90% of them that I talked to were basically generating new business through referrals and no other means. And I think they really struggled with everything, what I would call pre-funnel. So we were actually meeting most of these people, though, through LinkedIn. And I think what happened was naturally we had a very systematic approach to using LinkedIn to, you know, kind of target our ideal client, reach out to them, and then connect in a meaningful way. And just naturally what happened was a lot of our clients and people I was meeting were asking, hey, can you do that for us? So what we really did is took what we were doing for our own business to meet, you know, our ideal client every day. And we started doing that for um, essentially clients and prospects. Yeah, I mean, yesterday we were talking, Jay and I, we were talking about, you know, how do you take all that busy work out of the equation so that your sales guys can do the things they're best at? And that's, you know, hopefully talking and presenting the features and benefits and then closing the deals. And I think that automation piece is a big key. But, you know, a lot of people just don't know how to approach that. And uh, and really, they think it's a lot of time consumed. You know, let's just go and do what we usually do traditionally. But I think if you did it up front, and we talked about this yesterday, as I say, um, you know, you could actually create a nice automated campaign to keep that 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 lead flow coming in. Yeah, I think most um, you know most companies are divided into two camps. One, they just hire a salesperson or salespeople, and they're not dividing what the focus of that person is up. And they're not focusing on their individual skill. And I think you've you've hit it on the head that the idea behind a playbook is to really identify what are the different stages of taking someone from an unknown person that doesn't know you and doesn't trust you yet to the point where they're ready to talk about solving a problem to the point where they're actually a customer. And there's a lot of steps usually in between. And what, what the, the other camp is, is they've taken those steps and divided them into roles and not everyone's capable of doing it where they hire sales development reps to do outbound. They hire business development reps to deal with inbound that are coming from marketing. And then they have AEs that are responsible for presenting and closing. So the, the answer I think to part of that and part of the playbook is how do you take, for example, that SDR function, the part where you're targeting companies, reaching out to them and trying to initiate conversations. How do you take that from being something where you're investing sixty to $100,000 a year in something that may or may not work 
into something that's less risky and more effective. And that was really kind of the task, I think, at hand that Jay and I took on. So Jay, that, 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 so explain a little bit uh, when you first met Michael, and you, you really you saw the process that you know Michael had, you know, uh, uh, had laid out as such. How did you approach it from for, from a from a marketing automation platform standpoint? How did that how did that gel together for you? Well, in the context of what Michael was bringing to the table, where there's the initial uh, LinkedIn. Uh, outreach and the relationship building. The thing there is that's all about finding the now buyers. Two things, right? It's finding the now buyers. And then the other one is, you know, people who are at least willing to connect with you and build a relationship over time. So that's the key right there. When we're talking about over time, that's when you are um, needing a, a solution with sales and marketing automation to Again, carry on that dialogue and build a relationship. And again, as Michael, you know, put it, you know, you get a lot of people who are, you know, you're just introducing, you know, yourselves to and you're, you know, you need to have a process of building that relationship and educating them up until the point when they're ready to buy with you. So, again, it's, it's kind of the yin and the yang. Um, so when Michael came to us. It was a perfect fit. Right. Knowing, again, that we're going to make some immediate connections and maybe we're going to scrape up a couple of now buyers. But again, like what is the follow through that we want to do, you know, after Michael's work has taken place? So so one of the things I think is a common theme as well, and this is to the to the two of you and whoever wants to take this. Um, but but, you know, we you know, as part of this, you know, we, we like to do this in uh, October, and November so that people can start to think about this in December. So they, they can really position themselves better for. Um, for the new year, like we talked about, and we call it, you know, um, you know, race to the start line. And uh, the 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 common theme, I think, that um, I'm finding, because I heard what you just said, Jay, about you know, it's it's a thing over time. Yeah, you're going to find those immediate, you know, buy now ones, but really, you've got to you've got to really plan and put this out there so that it's, it, it's it you're in it for the marathon, not for the sprint. Um, and if you don't start now then really if you start in january you really need you're not going to see the benefits until a you know a couple of months down the line am i hearing that right is, is that is that something we need to think about yeah i mean just from from you know our perspective and we know if we're working on some of the larger deals it's at least an 18 month process from you know when you reach out make the connection or discover that a company is visiting your website i mean you still have all of the you still have all of the, um, you know, stakeholders that you need to identify in your sales process. And, you know, again, they may not be a now buyer. They may be in the middle of a contract or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're just setting yourself up for the long term. So, Michael, um, in terms of, of getting that engine going uh, and sort of priming the pump as such yeah education uh, i talk about this all the time because i think that you that the the now the i i like to say it's the buyer's cycle not the sales cycle because buyers are really in control i think and again i'd love to get your opinion the buyers are in control because they have more access to research than ever before 
and 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 I think ninety percent of what I'm seeing is that buyers have already made a decision by the time they get to the point of asking for a you know a demo or a proposal. They've actually they're just really going around looking at what the options are, but they they've already done the research. So education is is a big key factor, isn't it? Of of making sure people trust you, they they know that you've delivered this before, uh, and keeping that continuous you know communication going. Is that is that what you're seeing there? Michael? Yeah, I think there's a couple phases the way I look at it. Um, I think that you probably have a 90 day period. Like, let's say you get serious about LinkedIn and you recognize, okay, this beats cold calling. This beats straight up just emailing people I don't know from lists that I haven't verified. Whereas on LinkedIn, I can look there and I can identify here's three, six, nine thousand people that meet my ideal client profile. So if you start from that perspective, the one thing you can't do on LinkedIn is you can't just blast all those people. So to your point, it takes time. So you need to systematically then reach out to people that match your ideal client profile so that you can begin the the process, I think, of sorting who's doing what and who fits into what category. And Jay kind of hit it on the head. Like, There's the urgent people that want to talk to you now, the now buyers, because they have a problem that you can solve. Then there's the category of people that will connect with you, but they say no to what you're offering initially, but, you know, they may still be a prospect because they meet that ideal client profile. And so you're just going to have to take your time and figure out what their timeline is, what's their buyer's journey and where are they at in it. And then there's the people that, you know, you try to connect with and they may not connect with you right away, but they still may be prospects because they meet that profile. That process in the front end, it takes some time. So you need to just systematically reach out to 50 to 100 people a day over the period, I think, of 60 to 90 days. And that's really kind of the priming part. So if we're talking about kicking off the year right, then that's a process you got to get started sooner than later. Well, when you talk about those numbers, too, um, you know, 50 to 100 per day, you know, there are a lot of connections that are going to be made, you know, yep. if you're doing your job right, right, Michael? Yeah. Um, so that's the other sort of part of herding the cats here is you've got all these connections that have come in and it, it's, it's big, you know, again, Michael, we've been working together and I see how many that, you know, we get. So in this, again, gets into the sales and marketing automation part of it because you got to handle all those contacts you got to do something with them it can't be like a -a whack-a-mole where it's like people are you know going to be cropping up here and there there has to be a system in place because you're going to have some positive uh feedback from some of these people um so we know what we do and michael why don't why don't you just explain you know you know, the after the LinkedIn connection process, like what you do with us as far as like calling all the emails and then kind of just hurting those cats on Makesbridge. Yeah, great, great segue. Um, so I think the key is, you know, the initial outreach, what we're doing is we're trying to, first of all, come up with what I'll call a funnel of people that match our ideal client profile. And we use that, usually use things like, you know, what geography are they in, what industry, what company size, what role, seniority, how long have they been in this role? So the more specific, the better. And then what we're doing is we're creating messaging that we want to find out one piece of information from them that impacts you know, the conversation. So we're trying to just generate curiosity on their part and learn one thing about them 
usually around a problem that that business solves. Then it's really up to us to systematically every day work through that list of people that match that profile. Um, when we're doing that, you know, we'll basically invite 50 to 100 people per day from that group of people that we've identified to connect with us. So we're sending them a message and we're inviting them to connect. And then when they do connect, they're getting basically two days later a follow-up message that kind of reinforces that first message. Now during that process, that really is kind of the extent of what we're able to do on LinkedIn beyond having one-to-one conversations. So what we want to do is we want to automate the follow-up, particularly for those people that may say no or you know follow up with me later. And that's where something like MakesBridge comes in. So what we want to do then is, let's say for every 100 people that I connect with, I want to try to identify the business email of as many of those as I can. And there's a couple ways that we do that, but essentially what we're doing is we're matching that person to a business email, and then we will put them into an outreach, automated outreach campaign using MakesBridge. So that, for example, maybe on day three, day 10, day 17, day 21, et cetera, they're going to get a touch point from us. And we're trying to build the story, the story of, you know, why we do what we do, of whatever our offer is. We're trying to talk to the problem that they have that we might solve, give them examples in those emails of people we've solved it for and how we've solved it. And we're really just trying to not, you know, hard press them, but just kind of give them an idea that, there's a way to solve these problems. And if you have them, then you're really just building that story over time. And that's where MakeSpridge is really important because that's not going to be scalable by a human effort. We need to basically automate that part. Yeah. And the thing is, right, like you're talking about too, with educating uh, against a specific problem, set of problems, because there's nothing a pushy sales letter can do to accelerate a buying decision, right? Or a, a buying cycle. Right. So, you know, you just want to be there in top of mind, you know, for that audience for if and when the need arises. It's like, okay, I know these people, they've been adding value, and you're on the list. You're on the short list. And yeah, that makes sense. mission accomplished, right? That that's it. Yeah, I think I think that you hit it on the head. Like I believe this and I've always believed this, that people buy from other people and they buy from people they trust. And the people they trust are experts. And the only way I think to establish that expert status is really to communicate that you understand who they are or that they can somehow relate to you and that you've solved a problem that they may have already solved or are trying to solve. Or, um, and then you have a, you know, a unique way to do that and that you're motivated to do that. And I don't think you can do that in one email. I don't think you can do that in one message. It's more like, you have to kind of court them over time and you've got to do it in a scalable way because what you're doing is you're going from zero to six or 9,000 new potential people that you're going to communicate with. You're not going to be able to have one-to-one conversations with them, but you still need to relate to them. And I think that that's where, you know, building that story using bridge is the key. Hey, so you mean those like, uh, those, those sales letter emails that we always get everyone, right? (laughs) Uh, Oh, hey, sorry, I missed you or not sure if you got, you know, this or that, you know, that those those little checking emails, you get about three or four and then you never hear from them again. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's really kind of flat, no value approach. Like, it, I think that's what you're alluding to. It's like if I if you're just nagging me, 
there's a point where I just tune you out and I'm not getting that you have anything to offer. Well, and that's, the, that's the whole thing, right? When we're talking about the nurturing process and building that relationship, it's got nothing to do with ask. Well, I don't want to say it's nothing to do with that making a sales appointment, but yeah, I mean, you got to have, you got to have the color, right? The, the, the muscle, the, the English, the polish around, around your communications versus the, again, the staid sales letter. <laughs> yeah you know things that come up it, big this, deal. It, it, it's a turnoff it's i agree i gotta start deleting some of my emails and uh, templates i think now listening to this <laughs> right like i think you have this conversation in your head where you know you're you <clears throat> you've got like three four six eight nine thousand people whatever that number is and you're not actually, you know, having a conversation with them. So you're trying to imagine that conversation. And if you don't go through that process of trying to empathize with them or have a framework, you're going to have problems. Yeah, I need to uh, revisit that. But you, what, what, what you were saying really was, um, you know, that you've got to think about how you plan those, uh, that, that, that conversation. And I'm going to frame this out into a real-life uh, example that I had. I, I was invited in. Uh, I was working um, with a very large consultancy firm, um, and um, they, they, this very large Fortune 500 company invited uh, me into the room, and I was doing, you know, the spiel and everything in the side of the room, and, and the guy said, you know why you're here in front of me, don't you? And I said, well, hopefully, hopefully you're going to buy something from me. And he goes, We've well, following you and we know what you guys do and we know that you've done it for other people. So we're hoping that you learn from the mistakes that you made um, from the other guys and you won't make those same mistakes with us. So what I'm saying is they were educated ahead of time exactly what the, the, the services and solutions that they'd invited me in to present. So they were already warm. They were already ready to buy because they knew that we'd done it before because we'd showed case studies. Um, we'd, we'd, we'd showcase this over time, you know, in just our normal marketing, you know, uh, efforts. And these guys were following us. And we didn't, we didn't really know. We were on their radar screen until they said, we're ready to see you. So it, I, I suppose why I'm framing that out is it's exactly what you've just said. You've got you've to spend the time up front creating what that conversation looks like because there's going to be a point in time where they go we got to talk to these guys because based on everything we've just read and seen and we understand they these guys can actually help us and i think that that's what we're trying to say isn't it yeah and that's the challenge too it's like you had the benefit of them you know being aware of you Right, uh, observing your work with their competitors, and that's the that's the key challenge that all organizations run into, and all salespeople run into is they're not being watched, they're not on the radar, and that again is why you know a sales letter is not going to put you on. Well, I just said like a you know like a standard sales letter we're used to seeing is not going to get you on anyone's radar, right? So. You know, you're out of every 100, 200, 1,000 messages you're going to send out to somebody with a piece of content, basically case or your work, you know, it's got to be slim pickings because they're not expecting to hear from you, right? So that's where, again, it gets into a numbers and automation game. 
And just being aware and having all the signals and feedback when people are clicking through the email and having the alert system in place. So an SDR gets a tap on the shoulder, makes the out, uh, makes the outreach, and just again gradually build up that conversation till you get to that metaphorical standpoint where you were, Carl, where they knew about your work and they were already ready to do business with you before you walked in the door. Yeah, I mean that 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 lends itself to that phrase that I keep saying, and listeners are. I'm sure <laughs> know it off by heart now. Repetition builds reputation, uh, and you've got to keep there with a consistent message. Uh, and but but as you say, if they if they don't know you, then they 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 don't know what they don't know. <laughs> and yeah. so uh, it's it's a case of um, really getting yourself uh, known. Um, Here's why I like. I'll tell you. You know everything you're talking about too. Like this is why I liked LinkedIn. If if I don't know you. And I'm and I'm trying to communicate with you by picking up the phone and calling you cold, or I'm trying to just email you without, you know, any prior communication. This is where LinkedIn trumps it because I have a profile, and I have a profile on me, and I have a profile on, on my business. So that when I invite you to connect with me, the beauty of that is that the first thing you can you're going to do is you're going to check me out. So you're going to look at what I'm saying in there. You're going to look at what's my message. So you get an opportunity to make a decision if you want to connect with me and talk. And and I think what that does is that opens the gate to these other types of scalable conversations where then if you're being empathetic and you know bringing value to someone they're now connecting that this person that I've seen and I've done a little bit of you you hit it on the head before about research. I've done even if it's cursory research to look at them and now they're bringing me all this value. I think that that dovetails directly into making automation and outreach to a larger audience, you know, make sense a lot more value too. Well, what I also think is is relevancy as well, uh, because it, it, you're right. They're going to look at your profile. They're going to say, "Is this relevant? You know, is this person going to add value to to my my job to to what I'm trying to achieve?" Um, and personally as well as you know in my business business life uh, and if then you can target and that's where automation comes in because you can start to refine the message to make sure it's relevant mm-hmm. to that individual so that you're not pushing you know um you know um, plumbing pipes to an electrician you know <laughs> type of right. thing you know what i'm saying so so i think yep. you it's 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 good that that you you create that 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 contact and then what you then send them uh, in that follow-up um you know communication is is relevant so I, I i i've even been asking myself this question more and more which is how can i be entertaining so how can I actually be interesting and entertaining to people that I'm reaching out to while being valuable? And I, I think that's the next stage. And when you see that people that have, you know, these big networks, and I'll, I'll use the extreme example of like a Gary Vaynerchuk, where in the end, he's an agency owner. And it's like, why does he invest so much time and effort into creating content every single day, having someone follow him around? It's really attention. And that attention probably trumps someone that is just, um, you know, talking about problems and solutions even. And he's talking about problems and solutions to a larger audience. So I, I think that all of this goes to the power of the platform is just scratching the surface. And I think that goes for 
the automation outreach part. And I think it goes for LinkedIn itself as a platform. Now it's like, okay, I've got the tools. I have a, an approach to this and I have a team that can help me. How do I then, you know, kind yeah. of what's my main story theme and what, well, do, what do I would want people to know me for and what problems I solve. Yeah. I think that's the thing. It's, it's a personal brand kind of deal. So you want to come across as authentic. Um, so, cause as soon as you say sense of humor, my mind shoots these, again, these other sales letters where I, you know, they'll show like a Wolverine, like <laughs> sleeping with a kitty cat or something, oh, wow. you know? Uh, so that, you know, that, that's, a I have pretty, not gotten that sales letter yet, but yeah. So well, again, like we've all seen them and it's like, well, you know, nice try. You're, you just pulled that off somewhere and that's a little trick. And it's really not you. I mean, who am I dealing with? So I think that, you know, when you talk about, uh, you know, someone being followed around with a camera, I mean, that's authentically him. Right. Um, I have um, a, a good, good, good buddy of mine. He runs a, uh, a Silicon Valley trade show here and his trademark, because we're talking about personal branding, I'm shifting a little bit, is he always wears an or a bright orange shirt whenever yeah. he's hosting an event or he's speaking. And, you know, we asked, well, why? And he's like, well, because I'd be, you know, speaking and we'd be sitting around a round table after I gave my talk and they'd be saying, yeah, you know, the guy who did X, Y, Z, you know, talk, he was pretty good. And he's like, gosh, that was me. <laughs> and it's like, you didn't even you didn't even recognize me. I'm sitting right beside you. So he had to figure out a way to stand out which is really what we're talking about. And his solution was a bright orange shirt. And he's been doing this for years just to crack up. And it seems to work. He's like, yeah, you know, he, he gets recognized in a crowd. So what, what is the equivalent of an orange red shirt or humor? What do you think would work? I mean, I think it goes back to, you know, first of all, we, you know, we're starting at the basics, which is targeting, messaging outreach and then you kind of run out of conversation so now we're talking about well how do i garner attention from that larger audience how do i make contacts into an actual audience and i think that's increasingly important i I think the key is to understand yourself so it's like be self-aware and you know you have to understand what you're willing to share about yourself because now it's become sorry go ahead I was going to say, it's, it's like Carl, you know, in his introduction, you know, for his podcast, there's like this picture of a Texan with a 10-gallon hat, and the guy pops on, he's got this this English accent. There you go. The guy, right? with, the, with, the guy with the stiff upper lip, the <laughs> Texan with the ten, yeah, there you go. Yep, that's me. Yep. <laughs> the snake wrangler. There you go. That's right. But, it, but the, th- the thing that I, I think um, is 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 important to, to look at when you when you, i hear you both talking about that you know I, I i i came over here you know 18 years ago okay and and i had to reposition you know what i was doing etc because you know i had a production company over in the uk and and you know i had to reposition myself because it wasn't quite working in in the u.s so you know we we we, we retuned and refined it etc but i used to go to a lot of networking events and and you know, you, you're, you're limited to, you know, the room of how many people are in that room, etc. But I made sure that I educated people in the room and who I am, 
and then what I do, and then over time they got to know me, and then I used to, you know, tell I tell people about the anecdotes of what I what what I've done, use cases, etc., and that's in the context of a room. But if you expand that out to what we're talking about, you're doing exactly the same thing. You've got to tell that story. You've got to, first of all, get them to know who you are. Then you've got to tell them you know, what you do. And then, and then literally, it's interesting stories. And you, you talk about being entertaining. I think it's not just about entertaining and being funny. It's about actually making somebody say, you know what, I want to talk to that person because he's got something that is of interest to me and he's really really educated in that field and he's also pretty you know he's a nice guy so i think he's exactly. that looking out for me yeah and, that, and yeah. that goes back to what i was saying where people buy from who they trust and the ultimate person that they trust is an expert so that that's definitely one avenue i think no matter what we it always blows my mind when i talk to salespeople, for example, let's just use that example, and they know nothing about their product. And that may seem silly, but sometimes it's by design. And oh, really? So, well, yeah, and I, I won't call out this company, but I'll use a, there's a major SaaS company that I have contact with, and they have, you know, thousands of salespeople, and the salespeople literally don't know their product. They have specialists that they bring in. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't know that, and I bring them in. It's sure. so delineated. So it gets to the point where I think that you, if you're a company of one or five or 10, and especially if you're the founder or you have one or five or 10 salespeople, you can't afford that luxury. So you need to make sure that you are perceived as an expert and actually probably an expert in the problem and the solution and your solution. And I think that that needs to come across. So you can do that in a couple of ways, and one is to be very, very informative. One is to interview experts and entrepreneurs in that, in your space, so that you're expanding. You know, you're demonstrating that you're expanding your knowledge and your audiences. And then I think there, then there's also, like I was saying before, is how do you become more open? So if you're aware that, you know, actually, here's a good example. I have a friend of mine who's. Um, who we were at dinner and he wrote on a napkin what he felt my personal brand was just out of the blue. It was kind of a joke, but not. And it was like three, it was kind of a Venn diagram. And in one corner was hockey, one corner was tech nerd, and then the other corner was author, you know? So all three converge as me as my personal brand. So that's unique, right? Like no one else is going to probably have that. And I think everyone probably has that Venn diagram and you just have to have a comfort level of, well, if I'm going to be interesting and memorable, what's my orange shirt and what's my Venn diagram? And then how do I authentically present that? And I think that's where when you're scaling it out, that's really important. And that goes back to your conversation, I think, around personal branding also as well. You know, without going over the top, too, because I know like with <laughs> LinkedIn, you get a lot of like, what do I want to say, self-aggrandizement, which just gets a little bit silly. Um so again, like there's not to cast water on the topic, but or throw Dallas water on the topic, but um, <laughs> I think you get what I'm saying. It's like it's, it can get a little bit gratuitous too. I think people can tend to take it a little bit too far. Are, are you talking about personal interest and accomplishments? 
I'm talking about, you know, again, like the self-branding and the, the oh. I'm thinking about like, you know, when you're talking about um, the orange shirt and, you know, the, the personal branding, <clears throat> I think that on LinkedIn, people can tend to take a little bit too far. Yeah. And I, I think that the, there's a culture around LinkedIn that is probably not going to reward you necessarily with that type of attention seeking. I think we hit it on the head before where you, if you want to come across as an expert, you have to add value and yeah. you may be able to, I think you need to be able to communicate that these things are interesting to you. And I think what people need to focus on is not themselves and not on the transaction and not on the value of a connection. What they need to focus on is what's their idea. If you start with the idea, and you might have two ideas that intersect, and that's where I, you know, when you talk about your personal brand and being self-aware and what's your unique why, if you have an idea in there that you're just going to consistently communicate without beating people over the head. it's And that's where it goes back to the main story theme of your brand, I think. Mm-hmm. And th- then we can use these tools that we're using to scale that out. And I think that's really the key. And I think if your copy is consistent with that and your content that you produce for LinkedIn, whether it's video or other content like images with memes, you know, those can, they're business memes. Um, that's what you want to get across. Well, well guys, I, I, I we're, we're, we're actually, we've, we've gone way over the, the, the time that we usually have, but I'm going to put this whole thing out because it's, it's, it's an intriguing topic. And yeah, I think, you know, let's let's just summarize what we talked about. We talked about you know how do we increase the the uh, the effectiveness of salespeople, and and then we talked about how we actually look at um, creating the automation side and planning content so that we can move that that prospect you know through from that initial contact on, and we talked about LinkedIn, LinkedIn, and then move them through that cycle and then drip them every you know so often so we're educating them um but i'm what i'm feeling here is we've got a regular you know trio <laughs> i think here where we can talk <laughs> we can talk about uh, uh you know the, continue this conversation i think this is a very valuable conversation um and, and of course we'll we'll put all the the contact details both for jay like we've done before uh, and also for for michael uh, and uh, his company cloud advisory uh but um guys this this has been an intriguing and i i felt that i've been immersed into you know a, a new way of thinking about how to uh, to really make my own uh, effectiveness in 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 sales and my teams here so i appreciate you both joining me and uh, let's uh, let's make sure that we get another segment done and continue this conversation so it, i think it's going to it's going to be it's going to be an epic is it going to be an epic sequel to the next one <laughs> yeah i think it's uh, we can plot these ideas out and see how they're you know performing and report back you know to the audience you know when you talk about segments and I actually have a little bit of a teaser here because, you know, Mark, you know, Michael talked about hockey and um, we're working with Michael on some playbooks for sports franchises because, you know, you talk about endpoints and cycles, right? Season ticket holders, preseason, mm-hmm. postseason. So, again, kind of a teaser there on something that we're working on. 
Well, I, I know some of my audience are actually owners of, uh, of sports teams, so uh, I know that for a fact, and um, we need to talk about that in more detail. We'll, we'll take that offline, but uh, guys, really, really great to have you both on the show, and um, yeah, let's continue this conversation, and uh, let's, uh, let's go and free some time up and uh, get some business done. I love it. Sounds great. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Well, thanks a lot for listening. That was uh, Michael Devolano from uh, Cloud Advisory and, of course, uh, Jay Adams from Makesbridge, uh, uh, our regular contributor on uh, on LinkedIn. And so, um, you know, keep that that funnel growing, as they say, and uh, think about uh, that race to the start line uh, because it's only a couple of months away. So uh, enjoy it. Have a great day and see you next time. Tell your story on Linked Live and get noticed. You're listening to Carl Wolfenden on the Business Class Show and is not always affiliated with the guests and the topics discussed. Any financial statements are the opinions of the individual and you should seek professional advice before making any decisions. Upgrade your listening to Business Class the show that puts you in the big leather comfy seats. So sit back and enjoy our take on the trending business issues of the week.